name and if I want to just say a very good uh, welcome to those who might be watching online and if you are uh, just if you're ever in our area we would love to have you come and participate and just be part of one of our services church why don't we welcome those who would be watching online and it's great to have you being part part of the church so we're talking through the success series at the moment and this is um, part two of a three part series. And what I want to do is I want to put some uh, theology or teaching uh, around the whole area of success. Theology, by the way, just means teaching. That's all that it means. It's just a fancy word for that. And if you've missed part one, which was last week, um, that is online. And I want to thank those who wrote to me after that uh, time, just saying how much that actually helped them. Business people and stuff just freed them up and and just different areas of thinking. So I appreciate you uh, writing and uh, doing that. But Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. What is he? Say it one more time. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I asked last week, do you actually believe in success? We saw from the scriptures that God did not withdraw his presence or his power from people like Joseph when they were found to be successful. He did not withdraw his presence or power from people like King David when he got success. We saw in Genesis 39, verse 3 and 4, it says, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him, Joseph, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. But I'm asking, do you believe that for you? It's one thing to believe it for someone else. We can believe it for Joseph and David. But I'm asking you today, do you believe that this God would enable you, as he did Joseph and David, give you also success? Do you think he can do it for you? Do you believe, as Nehemiah did in Nehemiah 2 verse 20, that the God of heaven will give us success? And I want to make it clear, it's very important that we do this, but that success is not all about money or all about wealth or the, getting rich or becoming famous. And that, that is not, if, we, if that's how we see success, that's a very shallow view of success, a very shallow view. But there's no doubt about it. If we have wealth or have those type of things, it can certainly help, uh, help us with doing our lives. And, but I want us to remember that the principle of Scripture is this. With whatever we've given, we've got to understand everything belongs to the Lord. About four of you, I said everything belongs to the uh, uh, Lord. We have to under, understand that. And it's, sometimes we forget that. With that which we have, the resources that we have. It's like that, that time I took my kids to McDonald's and I, I brought them chips and I gave them the chips. And I said, can I have a chip? And they said, these are my chips. I was like, I bought those chips. They're my chips. I gave them to you. How many know God's given us everything that we have? And we've got to understand who is the steward. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want some of your chips later on. Come on. But the scripture in principle, here's the principle. We are blessed to be a blessing. Every resource that we have, everything that we, we, we have, it's not just for ourselves. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. I think a lot of people like the much is given part, but don't like the much is required. Come on, I'm preaching good today. People think like that and talk, uh, uh, talk like that. 
When we're talking about these type of things, success, when we're talking about wealth, understand this. I'm speaking from a point of prosperity with purpose. Prosperity with purpose. Not just to get rich and make yourself rich or so I can drive a Mercedes or do, do this. And I don't care if you have a uh, Mercedes, but we, 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 we're talking about prosperity with purpose. Because it can change things when you understand that. Just recently, I had the chance, Anita and I, to travel to the United States. We went to Texas and spoke in uh, a church there. And then we traveled to Oklahoma. While in Oklahoma, Anita and I had the chance to visit Oral Roberts University. It's, a, it's an amazing uh, university. Got incredible uh, architecture. The great evangelist Oral Roberts had, had started it. In fact, there's a photo I've got of the prayer tower at Oral uh, Roberts. It's sort of like the architecture is very, uh, very futuristic and amazing in the way uh, that it looks. If you can bring up that photo, I guess there. They're trying to do it, but as I was speaking with Pastor Jim Graff, as we were walking through the grounds of the, that's the prayer tower, sort of like their sky tower type of uh, thing there, but as I was walking through the uh, grounds with Jim Graff, who was a student of that college, in fact, his son just graduated with honors uh, there, and uh, he, he told me the story that some years ago that this university got into major, major problems. Started with a bang, but through in America, just how it is, I guess, lawsuits and different other things. Things. The college found itself through some mismanagement and just the stuff that went wrong, life happens, and, and a huge amount of debt. Not, not 5 million, not 10 million, not 20 million, not 30 million, not 40 million, but over $50 million worth of debt. And it was at the place of coming to uh, a close. But for a family, a business people, a husband and wife team named David and Barbara Green. David and Barbara Green, they own a uh, store right throughout their Christians. Uh, 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 David and Barbara, not these David and Barbara. Uh, uh, otherwise, you're going to be going to them after the service. Hey, I want to hit you up for a loan. Uh, can you uh, just do that? But not, not, not these David and Barbara's here, although he was in America and he could be hiding here. I don't know. But David and uh, uh, Barbara own what's called the Hobby Lobby. They've got 15,000 full-time employees, 600 craft stores in 41 states across the USA. And here's Hobby Lobby's mission statement. They sell art and craft stuff. And he was originally a picture framer, the guy. And he just says this. Hobby Lobby says its aims are to honor the Lord by following biblical principles. This is their mission uh, to establish a work environment that builds character, strengthens individuals and nurtures family and provides a return of its owner's investment so that he can share the Lord's blessings with his employees. That's his, um, that's his mission statement. And um, it's one of the biggest uh, overtly Christian companies in the US, the newspaper says, with 3.3 billion in sales and now with a net worth of 5.1 billion. Green is ranked by Forbes as the 94th richest man in the United States of America. How many know if you follow the principles of God, you can see blessing in your life? He bailed the entire co uh, college out. He paid all the money and has brought the entire university and now prosperity with purpose. Come on, somebody. Not just to do it for ourselves. Come on, about five of you. I think we need to say thank God for people who can do that. Now, you, of course, might be here say, well, that's America. Nothing like that could ever happen here. Well, I want to tell you, my friends, you are sitting on prosperity with purpose. The land that you're on, you are sitting on prosperity. The chairs that you're sitting on are prosperity with purpose. 
Many years ago, a millionaire businessman gave the entire 50 acres of this entire th- uh, thing for us. He didn't know there's a motorway coming there. He didn't know what was there, but he just felt in his heart, I need to give this 50 acres because I, I believe God could use this and I want to see this land used uh, uh, for God's glory. And so the entire thing, that's why the streets are Realm Drive and Harvest Court and Sovereign, uh, sovereign Way. Why? Because of one man's generosity, David Lucas, to believe God that he might do something powerful. Come on. He can do the same here. It's not just something that happens. We're sitting on the blessing. We're sitting on the blessing of that. As I've said, if you have little, you can do little. If you have something, you can do something. If you have a lot, you can do a lot. Prosperity with purpose. And so I've, I've got a, we've asked the question, what is success? And we saw success is the achievement of something desired or planned or attempted. It's not just money or, or those type of things. But I'm asking, what are you attempting? What are you planning? What do you desire? Do you want to maybe as a student this year go, I want to have, have, be as successful at my exams. I want to have success in that. So I'm going to study hard. Maybe for you, you're a business person. You're saying in your job, you want to reach those sales target. What, I don't know what success looks like for you. Maybe you're a, a, a family people who want to say, you know, I want to work towards my retirement and leave a legacy for my, uh, uh, for my children and my children's children. I don't know what it is for you. But really, success is about the achievement of something desired, planned, or attempted. In other words, to succeed is to get something right. And we saw that success takes hard work. Someone said this. They, 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 someone said this. God gave men two ends. One to sit on and one to think with. Ever since then, man's success or failure has been dependent on the one he uses the most. Come on, somebody. Ain't that true? Ain't that true? Success is directly related to your hard work and effort, not luck or divine act. If you're just waiting around for God to do something. In other words, I love this, God works in our works. Success in anything takes hard work. It has trials, it has pain, it has disappointment. When we heard about Joseph and the success that he was, we got to understand that was said from when he was in prison. When it talks about the success that David had, he was fighting battles. You've got to understand if you want to be a success in anything, you're going to have battles to fight. You're going to have things that you come on, somebody. You're going to have, have to have stuff where you're going to have to stand up and things are going to come where you perhaps feel trapped in your circumstance. And how can I move forward? Yet God, in the midst of those things, brought them success. We want you to win. As a pastor, I want you to win. I want you, why would I want anything else for you? No, I just want it to be tough for you all the time. No, I want you to win. Tap your neighbor and say, I want you to win. We want, I want you to be successful. Why would I desire anything else? That's why I love Shem's Shem's story. Where are you, Shem? Give us a wave. I shared that, you know, he's raised 500,000 to, to, to put his hand, as the, the, he's used his heart and his hands to create a gaming company. And what I didn't tell you, he's actually employed now by Weta Digital as well. They've asked him, come on, yo, to bring in and create games. And, you know, he's moving with those movie movers and shakers. And I finished last week by saying this, those who use their God-given abilities to rise above the norm, to excel or do well in any field are not condemned by God. They're not even penalized by Him. In fact, they're rewarded. Their success is rewarded with what? More success. Where's that say that in the Bible? The parable of the talents. If you take a look in the story or parable just means story, Jesus told in Matthew 25 verses 14 to 
29. I don't have time to read the whole story, so I'm just going to give you the Adam International Version, really speaking from the Living Bible. It says, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like, and we need to pay attention to that because he's saying this is what heaven is like. This is how, these are the principles that, that heaven operates by. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. A man loaned his servant's money. Again, we've got to remember everything that we have comes from God. Um, like a man who loaned his servant's money to invest while he went away. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to another 1000 And it says in that parable, he divided it according to their abilities. God doesn't give you more than what you can bear with. He, he gave them according to their abilities. So I want to say, run in your lane. Don't look at what somebody else is doing. What can you do with what God, come on, what can you do with what God has given you? What does he put in your, your hand? It says this, when the man returned, the one who had been given 5,000, well, he turned it into 10,000. He's like, great, well done. The one who had been given 2,000 had turned it into 4,000. He's like, awesome, great, that's fantastic. The one who was given 1,000 just gave it back. He hadn't, yes, that's what Jesus said. He was like, oh, it's like, you know, you think, you know, no one would get upset. You gave me this, I'm giving it to you back. He hadn't done anything with it. But the reality is, if you read the, uh, the actual story, the, the, the guy, the owner, says, you wicked and lazy servant. I was like, that's a bit rough. That's a bit hard out. You know, you, you, haven't, lost any, you haven't lost anything well, you have with inflation, by the way. But um, yeah, <laughs> well, it's true. I've got to think about that. Some people are so scared to do anything that they, they, they never do it. But you do, you, it slowly goes. Another story, another message. But, but, but here's, the, here's the thing. He's like, well, what have you done, you wicked and lazy servant? But see... See what he does. That's not what I focus on. I want to focus on the fact of what, 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 the, what the master did now for the one who had 10,000. Look, it said, take the money from this man, the one who had 1,000, give it to the man with 10,000. Notice this. He's not saying, see, you've got 10,000. Wow, you're way too rich. Take some of that and go and give it over to the guy who's only gone 1,000. No, he did the complete opposite. The kingdom of heaven is like. For the man who... give, give so, so take the money from this man and give it to the man with the 10,000 for the man who uses well what he is given shall be given more and he shall have abundance see in this illustration Jesus has given God has not penalized success he's rewarded it he's rewarded with more what more success traditionally of course this parable is called the parable of the talents talents was a form of money when we of course can use talent in the other way to speak uh, of the gifts and skills that we, we have. So I'm asking you today, what has God given you? What has God given you? What, what God-given talents are you growing and bringing forth increasing? I think it's a good question. There's three things, of course, that we can learn from this story. Number one, everyone has something given to him or her by God. Everyone. What's in your hand? What have you got? What are you holding? What can you do something? Like the boy who, with the blessing of Jesus, took the bread loaves and the fish and was able to feed 5,000. What is in your hand? What has God put there? Second thing we can learn, that God's given it according to our abilities. 
Run in your lane. Don't be thinking what this one has and I, well, they're more successful than me or this one did that and I tried. No, no, what has God put in your hand? And understand whatever God has given you, whatever that seed is, he's given it according to your abilities. Don't worry what somebody else is doing. Number three, we all have a personal responsibility to increase and grow what God has given us. All of us are called to be good stewards of that which God has placed in our hands. That's why I love Shem's story. Shem's story is one of success. Shem's story is one of using the skills and the things that God has placed in his hand and he's been successful at it. God is for your success. You have to settle that in your heart. Friends, I don't want you leaving here today wrestling with that. You need to settle that in your heart. You need to be able to say with full conviction, God is interested in and for my success. Not for your own ends, but for His purposes. That people's lives might be changed for good. I want to tell you here today, success is not a dirty word. It's not about success. Some people talk about it like that. Success in business is not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. It's not ungodly. It's not worldly. Yet the way some Christians talk, you think that it would be. Ed Savoso in his book, Anointed for Business, says this. The expectations, I love this. The expectations imposed upon Christian business people resemble how women were treated during the Victorian era in regard to sex. Everybody's ears just perked up. They were told, do it, but don't enjoy it. Produce results, children, but don't get too excited in the process, lest you become sensuous. <laughs> Likewise, believers in the marketplace are expected to make a profit, but they're not supposed to feel too good about it for fear of becoming materialistic. Friends, I want to tell you, that's how many Christians think. Friend, I want to tell you, success and success in business is not something to be embarrassed by or ashamed of. Friends, it's, it's time to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant, because with we, if we've got prosperity with purpose, we can see lives change, people's things turn around. Cut that guilt off you. There are three tr truths about business that I want you to understand today. Is this helping anybody? I hope so. so that's my heart. Three truths about business, which I think people need to understand. Number one, our spiritual life and work life are one. Our spiritual life and work life are one. Hebrews 13 verse 16 says this, Make sure that you don't take things for granted. Wow, I could stop and preach for five hours on that. Make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack in working for the common good. There it is again. We're not just working for ourselves. We're working uh, for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes, listen, God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice, listen, that take place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. I want to say to you today, don't compartmentalize your life. We don't have a work life where we are far away from God and a church life where we are close to God. We take God with us to work. A good place to say amen right there. Jesus goes with us into our workplaces. You don't get up every morning and go to an unholy place called work and then come back to a holy place called church. Come on, I'm preaching good this morning. 
Our work is not something demonic or not something evil. It is something God ordained for us to do. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were uh, um, uh, there and uh, God did not say, hey, while you're here, I just want you to be praying in tongues for your boss all day, reading your Bible and uh, just really, you know, getting into the things. God didn't say that. What did he say to them? I want you to work. I want you to tend the garden. I want you to look after it. Working is not demonic. Oh, darn it, some of you are saying. I was just like, oh, man. No, God ordained it. It's for a purpose to bring forth fruit and, and, and multiply. Come on, somebody. Say amen. It is. Work is good. And, and, and you, you, we're going to be ones who would take God with us wherever we go. Proverbs 16 verse 11 says this. God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business, come on, somebody. Your business is his business. Walt Millen, who uh, created a very large boat building uh, company, did well even with a name like Mellon. Um, but he said this, a, and if your name is Mellon, please forgive me. Okay, so a businessman has no business being in business just to make money. Every businessman automatically is in danger of making money his God. Whenever he makes a decision in favor of his business as opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes money his God. For the moment, at least, he is favoring mammon and his priorities are mixed. It is impossible to overemphasize the importance of right priorities, especially in the business world. Remember, this guy runs a very large company. Through these priorities, apply to... Through, though these priorities apply to the life of every believer, advice not to mix Christianity and business is heresy of the worst kind. A man's business, whatever it might be, ought to be an integrated and integral part of his Christianity. It either complements or opposes his spiritual stance. It's true. Invite God into your business. Invite God into your workplace. Don't shut them out. Don't separate or compartmentalize your lives. Don't do, well, this is the sacred part of my life and this is the secular part of my life. There is no such thing. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it belongs. Whatever you do, do it unto God. Whatever you do, whether working, sleeping, do it as unto the Lord. And see what he, he would do. Don't shut them out. Make sure, like Mr. Mellon, that you would place God first in your business and the decisions that you make and allow God to work in those things. I remember many years ago when my father owned an antique store in Waltucky uh, uh, and he was thinking about coming to church and it was a big decision for him, do I close down on Sundays? And if you've got a business and you're open on Sundays, I'm not talking about that. Those are things where we, uh, you know, you, you guys have to work through. But for him, I really wanted to get my, my dad to church so I could see him uh, saved and boy, he needed it, I will tell you, man. <laughs> I don't know where he is, where is he? He's over there, he's over there giving me the steer right now. Well, he's, he's probably quite chuckled on deep on the inside. <laughs> but I remember sometimes saying, Dad, why don't you just close it down, come to church, and see God will honor you, God will bless you as you uh, 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 do that. And I'm throwing it, I don't know what God's going to do. 
And he's like, oh, I don't know how it, work, how it can work out. But he did it anyway and, and, and did it. And a few weeks later, he went for an auction. He used to go to auctions and buy things and stuff. And one of the things that was on the, at this auction, this is just after he's made this decision, was this violin. So he buys this violin and, and, and brings it home. He looks at it. He's like, oh, man, a useless piece of junky. I think he paid 100 bucks uh, for it, but just a piece of junk. But inside the case as well with the violin was a bow. Just the bow, you know, the bow that they play the violin. And as he looked on the bow, he saw the date, 1836. Man, we all, wow, man, I'm preaching violin. Whoa, that was quick, hallelujah. Uh, 1830, (laughs) and they're like, stop this man, he's crazy. 1836, don't play anything yet, guys, I'll let you know when, when to do that. But 1836, and so as he did more research on that, he found out that the bow was worth, made in 1836, was, I don't know how, I don't know, I've never even heard. But he ended up selling that bow for $8,000. 8000 come on, somebody give God some glory. And he's in church today because God can do those things. You don't know what God can do in those situations. The second thing is this, I want you to see. Jesus chose business people to reach the world. Jesus told, chose business people to reach the world. Dr. Billy Graham said this, I believe one of the next great moves of God is going to be through business people. One of the next great moves of God is going to be through business people. Notice this, Jesus did not choose scribes or Pharisees or religious leaders. He did not choose a priest uh, devoted to uh, religious service. He chose people from the marketplace. Today, God still wants to use business people to touch the world. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Jesus himself was a carpenter. He called fishermen, tax collectors, and publicans. Have you ever noticed how much of the New Testament is not taking place in a church or in a synagogue? Where does it take place? It takes place in the marketplace, out there where everybody is. Where did those healings take place? In the marketplace, where everybody was. The same God who did that then, come on, wants to do that now through your lives, through the things that that you do. You've got to understand how this works. Jesus Friend, encountered and reached business people in their business environments. Dick Halverson, who was a chaplain in the U.S. Senate, said this, There is a distinction between church work and the work of the church. Church work is what you do for organized institution of church. The work of the church is what is done between Sundays when the church is scattered all over the metropolitan area where it is located, in homes, schools, offices, on construction jobs, and in the marketplace. That's true. Luke records when Jesus met Peter and James and John on the beach as they were fishing there. They had, of course, been out fishing all night. They hadn't caught anything, not even a signal, not even a single fish. So what was that? It was a bad day at the office. No stock, no turnover, nothing's happened. Bad day of, of, of business for them. Jesus didn't come and say to them, hey, look at you stinky fishermen. Come and do a real job. Come over and be... No, what did he do? He reached out to them, touched them in the marketplace where they were at. He told them, put down your nets again. They did. They filled the nets so full they were nearly broke, uh, 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 breaking. He blessed them in their work. He blessed them in what they were doing. In the same way, he wants to bless you in that same thing. He called them at that place. He didn't say, what are you doing working in that smelly job? Come and do a real job, people. No, he reached out to them in their place of work, in their marketplace. He demonstrated his love and care 
for the business person as well as his power and kindness. He wanted them to reap, but at the same time, he was calling them to reach others. God wants to use business people to both reap and reach. And I don't know, maybe he chose business people because they were able to understand the need and be able to uh, really knows what it means to reach out and, 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 and touch the community and where, where they were living. See, many people, they have the idea that it is impossible to be a Christian in any line of business except Christian work. Jesus' work was in the marketplace. God wants to reach people in the marketplace. And the way he does that is by using believers in the business world. The third and final thing. God cares about the lives and success of business people. He really does. Deuteronomy 28 verse 8. God will order. He will order a blessing on your barns and workplaces. He'll bless you in the land that God, your God, is giving you. Friends, God cares about your life and your success. He doesn't just care about the lives and welfare of pastors. He's not like, just uh, uh, like, you know, oh, God, I just want you to know God really cares about me. He sort of cares about Neil as well. He's quite, uh, quite important. He cares about Aaron and Mason and stuff, but he really, he really cares about us. And uh, that's what, no, no, you've got to understand God cares about the lives of everybody. Good place to say amen, pastor. Thank you. Friends, you've got to understand God cares about your life. Businessman, he cares about your success. He's interested in it. You are not a second-class citizen because you are not in full-time ministry, whatever that is. And you know I believe we're all in full-time ministry no matter where. When I believe in the priesthood of all believers. But God deeply cares about the business person and the challenges that you face every day. And I say this, and don't write me letters about it. Hear me out. God doesn't just care about the poor. Pause for effect. He doesn't just care about the poor. He cares about you and your success. And the reality is you might be saying, well, I am poor here today. The reality is, and the real truth is, friends, we are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on the face of the planet. If you're in a car, friend, you're one of the wealthiest people on the planet. If you've got a roof over your head, you're one of the, well, I don't want to, that's a whole nother message. But we've got to understand where we sit in the general scheme of that which the world is walking through and where people are living on $1 a day or even less. So we've got to understand how blessed we actually are. But I want to say God just doesn't care about the poor. He cares about your success. If you're an employer, he cares about the jobs you provide, the food that you help put on the table of other people's family, the shoes that you help other people to put on their, uh, put on their feet. I really want you to get your head around this. Some people feel so guilty about the fact that they have a, a good income. Oh, man, I'm earning too much. And people do that. It's like if you ask them, they're quietly excited. But if they tell you, oh, man, it's like there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Again, if you're using prosperity with purpose to make a difference with what God is doing. In Luke 18, we read the story of Jesus entering Jericho and Immediately, he was met with a problem. He encountered Bartimaeus, who was a blind beggar, poor, and in rags. And he cried out to him for help. 
Jesus responds with love and concern and, and healed this man in this huge business center that Jericho was. And immediately, it says this in the scriptures, Luke 18, verse 43. It says, immediately, he Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. I love how God is on the side of the poor and the downtrodden. The people who saw Jesus helping the poor and treating them well appreciated what he had done. They, they cheered him on. And the truth is God does indeed love the poor, especially those who find themselves in large cities stuck and going through difficulties and need of support. But I don't just want to speak too much about the poor, except to say a few things because uh, I don't want you to get uh, in or out of balance with what I'm saying. If I was speaking to that, I'd tell you about the work we do with Sari Saturday and getting all that and being able to feed the 100 kids over in India. Our work, I've spent 11 years in India. I know what it is to work with the poor and those who are struggling. But I don't. Uh, the, the emphasis of this sermon is helping you be more successful so we can do more in those areas. But you see, when that story finished, Jesus' ministry in Jericho was not. In fact, that was Luke 18 and Luke 19, immediately following the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Luke says that Jesus continued through Jericho and came across a man named Zacchaeus sitting in a tree. Remember, he was short. He was a business guy. What type of business guy was he? He was a ripoff. He was a tax, uh, tax collector. Everybody hated him. Nobody loved him. And he was just like a, just a mean, nasty guy and, and, and just, just, just a, a really bad sort of dude. But what did Jesus do when he encountered Zacchaeus? Did he say, hey, you need to stop doing all that? No, Jesus engaged him in conversation. Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house today, Zacchaeus. He didn't say, you wicked this or, uh, this or that. Jesus engaged him in conversation. Jesus wants to engage you, my friend, wherever you're at in your business life. He wants to engage you and help you uh, be all that you can be in God. He was a wealthy tax collector, uh, uh, but a one who stole and one who cheated. Jesus didn't condemn him. Jesus, in fact, took time to engage him, went to his house for a meal. He didn't lecture him on how wrong capital, uh, capitalism is. He didn't call him out of his business. Friends, here's what you've got to understand. He hadn't come to change his occupation. He came to change his values. Oh, I'll say it one more time because that's good preaching right there. He hadn't come to change his occupation. He had come to change his values. The Bible uses more verses recording the story about Jesus' interaction with this businessman, Zacchaeus, than it does recording the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Yet interestingly, we tend to put more emphasis on the ministry to the blind and to the poor and the needy and sometimes forget that God also cares about the business person. Jesus went into his home, spent time with him, and his family changed because of that. His values changed. And Jesus didn't call him out of business. He left him in his business. Jesus did not come to redeem him from business, but to redeem him in business. But just look at the people's negative reaction when Jesus spent time with the businessmen. All the people saw this and began to mutter. 
He has gone to be the guest of a sinner, it says in Luke 19, verse 7 and 9. Jesus said to him, But today salvation has come to your house because this man too, not just blind Bartimaeus, this man too, this man too, not just blind Bartimaeus, but this man too is a son of Abraham. This man too needs God. This man too needs the touch of Christ on his life. God cares about business people. Cares about you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to be a success. And He's interested in using you to reap success and to reach people. Booker T. Washington said this, success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles he has overcome while trying to succeed. Friend, I want to Say, if you've got obstacles to your success, what are those obstacles? We'll come next week and we'll talk about that in success part three. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this auditorium. If you're here today, I don't want to finish this service off without giving you an opportunity to respond to Christ. If you're here today and you know your life is not right with God, you know that you're far away from Him. Friend, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Come into and change me. 30 years ago, I was in a service just like this, and and God turned my life around. Maybe today, He's knocking on the door of your heart. The Bible says that. that He knocks on the door of our heart, and if we would open those doors, He will come in. Do you need to get right with God here today? Do you want to be included in that prayer that says, yes, but pastor, I don't know if he would love somebody like me. Friend, let me tell you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. His favor is for you. My friend, it's never about how bad you are. It's about how good God is. The fact that He died on the cross. He died your death that you might be able to live His life. He paid your penalty that you can be free. Friends, do you need to give your life to Christ today? Do you need to know this salvation? When I pray this prayer in a moment, if you're saying, that's me, Pastor, I need to get right with God today. Please, Pastor, would you pray this prayer? with me. If you would like to be included in that prayer, wherever you're sitting, I want you to just bravely put your hand up wherever you are and just say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God today. I need to be included in that prayer. Is there anybody here today? Just nice and high so I can see it. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you down the side there. Anyone else? Anyone else down the back? Thank you down the back there. I can see hands down the back. Thank you. All over the place. Thank you. Thank you. You can slip those hands down now. Let's all pray together. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I give my life to you afresh. Would you be my king? Would you sit on the throne of my heart? I invite you to be my Lord from this day forth. I've tried to do it my own way. Now I give my life to you. 